Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from May 14th, 1983, taped on May 11th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm the great Brian Last. It is my pleasure to be with you once again, and joining me for this ride through history, as he does each and every week, you know him and you love him, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, ready for another episode of Mid-South Wrestling, May 14, 1983, as you just said. But Brian, it's been a few weeks. I've been wanting to talk to you about something, something important to me. You're not going to bother me about drinking coffee out of a glass again, are you? No. Okay. You and I agree on many things, especially classic wrestling related. And I, if you were a football fan, we'd probably agree on a lot of that too. And but you're not much of one, and I'm not much of a baseball guy. So you know, I guess we don't have that in common either. But anyway, what is wrong with you and not wanting toppings on pizza? Oh, this. Not even some sausage. Definitely you know, not some, sausage. Oh my God! I don't know if I can continue with this program. Oh wow. Uh. Well, listen. I just think toppings are unnecessary. If a pizza is truly good, to enjoy the essence of the pizza, you just need the three key ingredients, maybe some other things thrown in there, but the toppings, the meats and the penne's and the chickens and the barbecue chicken, all this shit I see. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now you're going too far. Hold on. I don't want barbecue and I don't want chicken on my pizza. I don't want Alfredo. I don't want none. I mean, just, you know, a good crust, some nice sauce, some cheese, and some toppings like Italian sausage. I can even do a little beef, but Italian sausage is my favorite. Maybe some pepperoni. But how do you not like at least at least one meat on your pizza? What? What? Come on. You're a New Yorker. But that's right. And you can stop right there. I am a New Yorker. I know my pizza. I grew up surrounded by the best pizza in the world. Mr. Dallas, Texas. What do you know about pizza? I've seen those commercials oh. with the Von Erics. That pizza oh, place looks well, like shit. It, it really is. Let me tell you, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not much of a fan of that, that, that pizza place. There's just Pizza Inn, whatever it was. Yeah, it, it's all. I mean, I guess it's all right, but it well, that that yeah. You, you forget I'm not from here, so I'm not trying to even claim that. But anyway. Is New, or is New Orleans known for their pizza? No, but they are known for food in general, so I'd watch myself, buddy, when you're talking about... I've never heard anyone say, oh my God, the pizza I had on Bourbon Street, unbelievable. But we do know our food down there, so, you know, you might want... You know your food. If if I was going to talk to you about seafood or other delicious Cajun delicacies, I would bow to you. I would say, tell me about that. Tell me about the Neville brothers. But we're talking pizza. Next, you're going to tell me fish and shrimp aren't made to be fried. Um. Uh, oh, God, don't go there, please. Well, you know, I, I, I can't really comment one way or another. I've only had fried shrimp once, and it was good. I can't complain about it. Usually I eat it in a much healthier fashion. And <laughs> fish I have fried, and depends on the fish, but yeah, I got no problem with that. Okay, okay. Because um, I let I'm you... Reason- sl- I'm reasonable. It's you and the Jim Cornettes of the world that are unreasonable and unknowledgeable. Well, well, hold on. Pizza let's, and pizza let's, etiquette. Let's, 
Like, okay, I can't take up for Jimmy on one thing. He started a while back talking about, you know, you got a pizza, you'd go get a bag of chips with it, and then somebody said something about pickles, pickles on the pizza. yeah. That's okay. That's just – that's absurd. I, Cornette has lost his mind on that. So, Jimmy, forgive me, but you're just wrong there. But, I mean, to pizza with at least a little meat on it, whether it's pepperoni, Italian sausage, something. But just cheese, what's the point of that? And the, the biggest point of this, too, is then you'll eat a burger, but you don't want cheese on it. The pizza is okay with the cheese. So, you're, like, yeah. kind of schizophrenic with your cheese, right? Is no, that the I'm thing? not. Pizza – and cheese work together perfectly. That is the proper usage of cheese. Cheese on a burger, to me, takes away some of the wonderfulness of the taste of the pickles and the tomatoes and the ketchup, perhaps some lettuce, and of course, a finely cooked burger. All right, I see there's no... uh... And I don't like American cheese. I'm more likely to have a... I don't even know what the other cheese would be on a burger, but (laughs) something other than that yellow bullshit American cheese, which is just completely disgusting. I'm more likely to have anything other than that on a burger. Or anything. I won't eat American cheese on anything. I think you should post a poll on your Twitter if you haven't already done so to ask the folks out there, the good listeners of the Mid-South Television Review Podcast and even the Call to Cornette, and say meat on pizza or no meat. Which one would you go for? And meat could be any combination of sausage, pepperoni, you know, not chicken. I don't do chicken in the pizza topping and barbecue on a chicken. That's just stupid. But pineapples is the worst, but that's a whole nother topic. But meat, meat like sausage on a pizza is a staple of pizza. Says the guy who's never been to Italy. I just want to point that out. I have been to Italy. Uh <laughs> And I've had the pizza there. You know, it's funny. I remember years ago, and we'll get to the wrestling in a minute. I didn't know Mike was going to take me down this road. I'm sorry. Years ago, there was a girl I knew, and she was saying to me that, I really want to take you out for pizza. And I'm like, yeah, all right. You know, she's cute. So we went out for pizza. This is in New York City, in Manhattan. And her, (laughs) I couldn't believe it. She was from the Midwest. She didn't know any better. She (laughs) took me to the California Pizza Grill. And I said, what is this? And she was like, look at all the great pizzas. I'm like, this is bullshit pizza. What is this? This is hiding the deficiencies of their pizza with cheap toppings. And I hated it. I've never been back to the California pizza grill. If you only have a California pizza grill in your town, I feel bad for you. What do you have in your little town, Mike? What is your pizza of choice? It can't be a Domino's or a Pizza Hut or a Papa John's because that's not real pizza. Well, I don't like Papa John's, but not, but I will admit to growing up, um, you know, obviously in New Orleans, we did have Domino's and Pizza Hut. And we, we had the I'm assuming they had you these Pizza Huts were everywhere. You know, the old school go in, sit in, you know, and yeah, drink out yeah, little plastic cups in the, in the ice, the crushed ice or whatever, all that type of thing. So I, I actually thought Pizza Hut was all right growing up, but that's what I, I remember. But we had a couple of like mom and pop places and, and the names are, are you know, they, they, they weren't like major franchises or franchises at all. So. We had a couple of little small places um, in my old neck of the woods that you could go to and get, get decent pizza, good pizza, like actual pizza, not, you know, this fake stuff that they have nowadays, like this California place. I've heard of that place, never been to it, don't want it. But anyway, stop trying to change the fact that sausage belongs on pizza, Brian, last as we get into this week's episode. Listen, there's lots of other meats you can name that I would say I could at least understand and see the reason for that. Sausage is the bottom of the list. And so Italian sausage should not be on a pizza. No, Italian sausage should be with peppers in a hero. 
Oh, there's no working with you sometimes when it comes to food. No cheese on the burger. I need, to, I need to fly you up here, you and your wife, your beautiful family, bring you up here for one of these wonderful street fairs we have, and let you experience real Italian food in the streets of New York. Let's talk about that <laughs> offline, because my daughter is begging me to go to New York for some strange reason, and my wife is too, because they've never been. That strange reason is real pizza. Oh, God. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brian, you asked about May 14th, 1983 Mid-South, right? As we get into this show. So I wanted to mention something so that I'm not mentioning this throughout. There are a few matches in this episode that go on way too long. And I felt like Watts was just needing to stretch things out in this episode. But that was just my take on it. So I want to kind of get that out the way first. That way, you know, we don't keep repeating it over and over again. That because we probably will do that anyway. But anyway, there are some matches here that just go on way too long. Yeah, and I mean it's kind of the same thing next week, which are yes. show one and show two of this television taping. A lot of the reason may be that they use a lot of clips on this episode, clips from previous weeks. On the next episode, there's actually clips from the Superdome show. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that threw off the timing of the episode or what, but there is a weird pacing to these two episodes. And there are matches, not just matches that go on longer than usual, but a lot of matches with bottom of the card guys that go on longer than usual. You know what it has a feeling of this this episode and next week in many ways? There's something, there's someone coming in soon. Let me just put it like that. No spoilers. It's almost like because you got some new stuff about to happen and someone coming in there, it's like Watts is in a holding pattern this week and next. I guess so. Yeah, so I'm not saying he's not, I'm not, I'm not saying he's just like, you know, trying to run the clock out. It, it, that would be the equivalent in football. You know, just, just, you know, hand off to the running back, let him get three yards in a cloud of dust. And then uh, we'll eventually go for the bomb in a couple of weeks or, or in a couple of more series. But anyway, it's just, or next week or so. It's just that it kind of feels like, yeah, we're moving things along slowly. You, you know, I give the analogy about, oh, we go up the roller coaster, we go down, we go up, we go down. I feel like we're almost kind of like down right now and kind of eh, we're starting to work our way back up. That's kind of how I feel with this this week and next for that matter. Well, why don't we kick it off and we'll see where this show goes. We're going to begin with not just a show open, but a series of recaps of the incidents that happened the last couple of weeks, specifically last week, with Hacksaw Duggan, Skandar Akbar, Ted DiBiase, and that whole gang. That, that old gang of mine that we used to hang out with. Let's go to the show open, and then we'll come out of this, and we're going to have several clips of Bill Watts going in and out of these recaps. Edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and this week is no different from others on Mid-South Wrestling, as matchmaker Grizzly Smith always signs main event matches for you. This week, it'll be headlined by a lumberjack-style match. That means wrestling lumberjacks will be on the outside of the ring to make sure the two contestants remain on the inside. If they come out for any reason, they'll be thrown back in. And inside that ring will be Hacksaw Jim Dugan versus the Black Ninja. A lot of great action coming up. The man to tell you about things that have happened in the past and look forward to in the future. And the commentary for this week, Cowboy Bill Watts. Bill. Well, thanks, Boyd. Lots of things happening in that Ninja match. It seems like it's been a catalyst with Akbar there and Hacksaw Jim Dugan. But first, for a moment, the Helen Cox Middle School in Harvey, Louisiana, May the 20th, the date of their eighth annual Awards Day program. Students are presented Scholastic, Athletic, and Special Cougar Spirit Awards. And all those kids wanted the junkyard dog to be there. Unfortunately, his schedule was so busy, he could not attend, but he wanted to pass on his regards and thanking them for inviting him. Now, of course, two weeks ago, 
DiBiase got back on the scene, said, I'm the boss of the Rat Pack. Dugan overstepped himself in firing Matt Bourne. Dugan said that he was through with any association with Akbar, and he asked DiBiase point blank, was Akbar going to be involved with him? And DiBiase had told him no, and it turned out that Akbar and DiBiase and Mr. Olympia had a plot to gain the Mid-South Tag Titles. It all came to a head, and let's watch as Dugan undressed Skandar Akbar two weeks ago here on Mid-South. Mike, before you tell the listeners about what this recap is, where is Harvey, Louisiana? Uh, so Harvey, you know, N- New Orleans is on the East Bank side of the Mississippi River. And Harvey, Louisiana is on the West Bank side. So, you know, it, it's technically a town city in itself. You basically just cross the Mississippi River and just a few miles later, you 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 basically get to Harvey. So that's where Harvey, Louisiana is in relation to New Orleans. So, I mean, it's basically if you consider you can consider it part of the New Orleans Metroplex. I mean, you can consider it part of New Orleans, but technically it's not because, you know, it's Harvey. And you're you, if you're you're sending mail there, you're going to send it to Harvey and not New Orleans, obviously. So uh, that's exactly where it is. It's, it's not far. I mean, like if you were to just think, you know, New Orleans being the French Quarter, Harvey is, uh, I mean, literally without traffic, jumping on the Mississippi River Bridge is like, you know, 10, maybe 15 minutes away at the most. Well, the kids wanted JYD and they were not going to get JYD, but at least they get a mention on TV from Bill Watts. They get a mention on TV from Bill Watts as he threw <laughs> he threw us to that um that recap of Akbar being you know stripped to his tidy whities and I still giggle and laugh at Kendo being stuck in the ropes. I mean he he his boot is stuck. Alfred Neely's trying to pry it open. <laughs> it's so funny get watching Akbar getting his tail whooped and and just stripped down to his drawers. Man, great segment from from <laughs> Duggan right there. Coming out of that recap, we go back to the desk with Bill Watts to wrap that one up and shoot us to our next one. Let's hear the cowboy. To say that Skandar Akbar was livid and insanely angered is an understatement as his clothes were practically ripped from his body. He asked Ted DiBiase because he said Kamala was tied up in commitments in Dallas, Texas. He asked Ted DiBiase to represent him and to avenge him against Hacksaw Dugan. DiBiase declined, said, what's between... You and Dugan's between you and Dugan. I'll just stay out of it. But we saw the treachery and how quick Ted DiBiase strikes. Let's watch as Ted DiBiase came in and from behind he KO'd his former partner, Hacksaw Dugan. Let's watch that. And then we go to that recap. And I got to say, Michael, I think we said it last time. It was pretty quick from the week of DiBiase saying, I'll have nothing to do with Dugan. I'm not going to get involved to DiBiase completely getting involved. Yeah, I mean, he. He just really wanted to make it sound like he wasn't interested in in dealing with Duggan, and I guess just kind of being a you know a chicken heel. That's why he said that. Nah, I don't want nothing to do with him. And and then when he finally does get involved with him, let's remember that he got involved by sneaking him from the back when Duggan was wrapped up trying to wrestle Kendo in in the beginning of that match when he laid Duggan out and knocked him out silly. So yeah, I agree. Uh, he he it was pretty quick, but it makes sense that it was quick because. He basically just lied like a good heel would do, told a lie, and then, and he did certainly get involved. Well, let's go back to the desk and Cowboy Bill Watts. DiBiase was very jubilant about that. He said that even the score from Matt Bourne and reestablished once and for all who the leader of the Rat Pack was. He said that consisted of firing Hacksaw Dugan from the Rat Pack, that had surprise attack on him. Well, one thing about Hacksaw Dugan, I think if you're going to fire him in that manner, you better put him in a six-foot pine box about six feet under. 
because Dugan's one of these guys that doesn't care for his own safety, has no personal regard, but he is a one-man gang going somewhere to happen. He's turned many a bar into a parking lot, from what I understand. And Hacksaw Dugan, he watched Buford Pusser and Walking Tall, and he came with his own two-by-four and turned it into toothpicks over Ted DiBiase's back. Let's watch his attack. Boy, Bill Watts is so good at summing everything up, isn't he? He's really good. I mean, he's just, it goes back to that old thing we, you and I keep talking about, storytelling. It's just the, you know, positioning things appropriately, throwing it to, coming out of one segment, throwing it to the next, and and it's the whole storytelling aspect of it. And that's all these first, like, 10 minutes of this show is. It's going from those little segments we've seen over the last few weeks and just, you know, summarizing it in a concise manner so that if you did miss it, look, the first 10 minutes of the episode, you see it. And he throws us right there into into Duggan uh, attacking DiBiase, who was wrestling Tim Horner. And, dear God, what a segment. I mean, Duggan cracks the two-by-four over DiBiase. I still get scared watching this because I watched Duggan twirl that two-by-four around after he cracks it over DiBiase. And I'm like, oh, my God, that thing's going to go flying into the crowd somewhere as the crowd's chanting Duggan and Duggan and Duggan. I mean, they're going nuts, man. The people love this. We talked about it when it happened. But... Just really good storytelling here, as I say what Duggan did again from Watts as he goes from segment to segment. Well, Bill Watts wraps all of this up. Let's go to that. That's a hard way to make toothpicks for Ted DiBiase, but that gives you, I think, just a taste of what Hacksaw Duggan is capable of, and I think Skandar Akbar may have been the focal point of that attack too, so either one of these two better have their head on a swivel as Hacksaw Dugan will certainly be on their trail. Hacksaw Dugan was certainly walking tall, like you said, Bill, and we'll be back with more exciting things after this message. And then we go to the commercial break, summing all this up, and by the looks of these clips, you could see the audience reaction to Jim Duggan. He is super over now as a babyface. If you missed any of the last few weeks, the, the only point I wanted to make was, you now see how hot he is right here. He is hot. I mean, like white hot coming out of all of these weeks and what happened. And uh, one other thing, did you hear why? I, I don't know if I caught that the first time around. If I did, I apologize. He said, what do you say? Duggan knows how to sure make toothpicks out of, out of that board or whatever. Cause I mean, he cra- that board cracks on DiBiase's back. And I'm just, again, I'm just waiting for that board to go flying out of his hand and strike a fan. Just, Ah, you watch this segment over and you really get to see how hot Jim Duggan is. It just not only say all of a sudden, because I mean, it's it's happened over time, but it really shows how hot of a, a baby face he is right here. I remember them using that clip of him hitting DiBiase with the two by four and it breaking. Maybe in 1984 when they did those packages to show how real wrestling was and like legitimate injuries, like from nosebleeds to concussions to stitches that guys would get. I remember them doing a slow motion video with Joel Watts narrating of the board breaking over DiBiase's back. That makes sense now that you say it. I, I didn't remember that clip specifically, but yeah, it makes sense. The, the one thing that I remember from those clips is the freaking chair shots from uh, Dennis Condry or or Bobby Eaton onto Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. Oh my God. Remember that segment? I mean, we'll get to it eventually, but oh goodness, man, what stiff chair shots to the heads of those two. Yeah, those are bad. And the other one I remember is Dr. Death hitting Terry Taylor in the head with the football helmet. And then they did a close-up of, like, the stitches that he had to get in his head. You see that? That's real wrestling. (laughs) Well, coming out of this, we're going to go to something that was mentioned either last week or the week before. 
an attack, a sneak attack that happened in Houston, Texas. Chavo Guerrero scheduled to wrestle El Gran Marcus, and things go a bit astray. Let's go to this right now. We're going to go to the desk. Cowboy Bill Watts setting this up. We'll talk about it on the other side. That's all Jim Dugan has to remember is being a member of the Rat Pack. They weren't beyond planning some pretty devious schemes. In Houston recently, when DiBiase was still partners and buddies with Hacksaw Dugan, he was considered a member of the Rat Pack. Dugan had been embarrassed by Chavo Guerrero, probably the toughest, roughest guy from south of the border I've ever seen. And they set Chavo up. I mean, they flat set him up. They claimed somebody had a person speaking Spanish call and say it was El Gran Marcus, who was an internationally known Mexican superstar, and that he challenged Chavo. Paul Bosch booked it in Houston. And then El Gran Marcus did not show up because he never was booked there. But DiBiase and them, let's watch as Chavo Guerrero was set up, and he's badly injured at this point with some problems with his neck. And then we go to the footage from Houston, Texas. It was supposed to be Chavo versus El Gran Marcus. Instead, three heels in the ring, Boyd Pierce, the ring announcer, King Kong Bundy, Mr. Olympia, and Ted DiBiase. The fans are going to vote on which heel. Chavo will wrestle, but before they get a chance to, DiBiase gets on the mic and challenges him. And of course, the fans react exactly how the promotion wanted them to. They all vote for DiBiase. Mike, why don't you sum up what happened from there? Yeah, so DiBiase tells Chavo that, um, you know, Chavo may have beaten Duggan, but he's not the leader of the Rat Pack. So, you know, he challenges Chavo. And before you know it, Chavo is now, you know, obviously, you got three heels in there. He's fighting Olympia and DiBiase. And then. From there, it just escalates, and it escalates badly, man. DiBiase loads the glove, and he goes to town on Chavo. And when I say go to town, I mean it's numerous shots to the head, to the face of Chavo with the loaded glove. I'm, it, it, you know, it's not just one. It's Olympia's holding Chavo, and DiBiase is just just pummeling him uh, to a bloody pulp as he just pounds Chavo in the head. Chavo ends up, you know, he's he's busted open pretty badly there. Uh, he, the ref, Ricky Ferrar, to his credit, he's trying to get Olympia off of Chavo as, as Olympia holds Chavo so DiBiase can continue to just pummel him. And eventually they dump Ricky Ferrar out the ring. Um, and, and in the end, this thing ends up being Olympia even pile drives Chavo uh, with with the help of DiBiase, who's, who comes off the second rope. And Chavo is just, he's destroyed. There's no other way to put it. I don't really know how else to say it. He is just pummeled and destroyed. Well, here's Bill Watts wrapping up that recap from Houston, Texas. Well, what happened to Chavo Guerrero was one of the greatest setups I've ever seen. And Hacksaw Dugan better keep that in mind because he was a party to the setup that happened to Stagger Lee and Mr. Olympia that happened to Junkyard Dog and Mr. Olympia when he was the gorilla man. So he's got to realize that these guys planning this, now with Akbar, there could be some devious things happening. Let's go to Reese Bowden in the ring for the first bout. And that's what we do, Mike. We go to our first bout. The Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia with General Skandar Akbar versus Art Cruz and Jerry Caldwell with Rick Ferreira as the referee. The one note I had from this match was that Bill Watts mentions that Kamala is now in Dallas, that Akbar has his guys all over the South. Of course, DiBiase and Olympia and Kendo Nagasaki here in Mid-South and Kamala now in Dallas, Texas. You couldn't really deny it because that Dallas TV was getting into 
areas of the Mid-South Wrestling Territory. So I guess this is kind of a way of writing Kamala off the show, although not officially. I had that same note. And yeah, I mean, you've got that Dallas TV penetrating so many different areas. So you, how do you deny it? Uh, Watts, Watts, I like what he said in addition to what you're saying about Akbar uh, in Kamala. Watts mentions how Akbar has his greasy tentacles all over the talent. I thought that was a nice choice of words by, by Watts there as he described how Akbar's got uh, many of people corralled. And then um, only other thing I wanted to mention here before we move on, Watts mentions uh, Paul, the butcher of Ashan, being here later today. And, you know, we'll get into more of that. But I thought this match went on way too long. And that was my main note. And I kind of, that's what I said. I mentioned that at the beginning. It, it went for a while. I don't know. Do you have anything else, Brian? It went for a while. That was basically my thoughts, too. They went, uh, DiBiase and Olympia win when DiBiase hits a power slam on Jerry Caldwell. From there, we go to a match that actually doesn't go very long, all things considered. A lumberjack rules match. Hacksaw Duggan versus Kendo Nagasaki with General Skandar Akbar. Alfred Neely, the referee. We're going to play a little bit of audio here from the match, including the finish, but like you just said, during a previous match, it's mentioned that Butcher Vashon is in the vicinity. And here, a little bit more is added to that story. Let's go to this audio from the match right now. Front face lock. Skandar Akbar, he just came up, point and whispered something to Butcher Vashon, the man with his back to us there. Vashon is a crafty, cagey veteran. Unusual that he would appear here at Mid-South. He called Grizzly Smith, said, I want to wrestle. Nobody's heard from him for years. He and his brother Mad Dog and Vashon at one time, a couple of the top men in wrestling. And there, there, right there. Butcher Bashan tripped Dugan and then Nagasaki went for it and Dugan rolled right out. He's Dugan just like a time bomb ready to go off and the Lumberjacks get in there quick and separate them. That's the advantage of nine men out there. They had five on one and four on another. They separated them, got them back in there. And Kendo Nagasaki though is taking over Dugan. Alfred Neely trying to maintain some law and order in this out of control bout, but that's the way a lumberjack is. And there Nagasaki throws him back out on the floor. But you see all the lumberjacks now. Butcher Vajan kind of lurking in the background there. Nagasaki pounding him as he comes in. Hacksaw Dugan. Oh! Maybe Dugan was a little more than a lineman in pro football. He looked like he could have been a pretty fair punter there. And you hear the crowd starting to chant. Dugan, Dugan, and Dugan. Picks him up and drives him for that body slam. And now Dugan... Knee drop. And Hacksaw Jim Dugan sets in that stance, that three-point stance, going for the spear. And he levels Kendo Nagasaki. And listen to that crowd here at the Irishman Neal Boys Club. One, two, three. And they love it, and they love him, and he loves the victory. His hand raised, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. As he leaves the ring, and we'll be back after this important match. Well, there it is, Mike. We'll talk a little bit about the match. Duggan's super over with this crowd. They really pop for him winning. When Butcher Vashon trips Jim Duggan, it's weird. The turnbuckle just falls off. Did you notice that? I didn't even make a note of that, but... Huh. I'm, I'm sure... Oh, yeah, I see it now. As I pull it up, it sure did. It just popped off. I guess it wasn't tied down tight enough, but... 
That was interesting where, you know, you see Akbar in, in Watts mentioned it. You see Akbar on the outside. He whispers something to Butcher Vashon, and then that's when Duggan hits the ropes and Vashon trips him and pulls him outside, and then they start throwing fists. All in all, though, man, this crowd, when Duggan hits his moves and does his thing, I mean, he's just super over. There's no other way to say it. He's just, they love him. They love what he stands for. He's that rough, tough, rugged individual that the promotion loves. And and it's hard to describe. I mean, you kind of hear it through the audio, but when he gets the pin on Kendo, man, they they erupt. I mean, you just you just watch that the big bleachers from the hard camera, and these people go nuts when Duggan hits the spear and then pins Kendo. I mean, as he like, I'll give you an example. When he's lining up, you know, he's he's down in the three point stance to go for the spear. The crowd they stand up and they're anticipating, and they're like, "All right, here it comes!" And then when it happens, boom, they cheer. And then when he's getting the pin, you see him all jumping up and down, cheering. They love it. I mean, it's just this is a really, really, really good moment. Another another good moment for Duggan who beats Kendo. Uh, as a, I don't know, I think I feel like Kendo's getting close to being done, but I, I can't quite remember off the top of my head. I haven't watched it in a while. So anyway, good stuff. Right there uh, from you know who's someone becoming now almost your top baby face in the territory arguably i guess i should say and another week where jim duggan is positioned as a top baby face and they keep junkyard dog off the show i was gonna say that but you're right because uh, duggan i mean i'm duggan dog isn't here i believe dog's back next week but again you're right uh they don't they don't cross the lines, I guess, uh, per se. You know, they don't have both on at the same time, which is which is probably a good thing. And, I, and I'm betting, like you've mentioned before, Watts did that on purpose. Coming out of that match, we go to the desk. Boyd Pierce sitting with Mr. Wrestling 2, who has a lot to say about his ongoing feud with Mr. Olympia, as well as the events from last week's show of him and King Kong Bundy. Let's go to this audio. We'll have a recap and then some more from Mr. Wrestling 2. Fans, we have with us here at the Mid-South Wrestling Table a man who needs no introduction to wrestling fans all over the world, Mr. Wrestling, too, and he has a message for us. Well, thank you very much. You know, I've always felt that I was always man enough to accept defeat from a man that defeated me as a man. But, you know, we have a lot of men around here that choose not to accept or look for defeats as a man. Instead of that, they have to have people coming out from left field. People not just as a man coming out, but people with things tied to their hands, tied to their feet. Boards flying in the air, chairs flying in the air. It's always got to be something besides what God has given them, the two hands, the feet, the body. Well, let me tell you something. Anytime a man defeats me as a man, I'll be the first to stand and congratulate him. But defeat me as a man. And what I'm really backing down to is Mr. Bundy and Olympia. Those two men are on my list, and I intend to straighten things out one way or the other. Matter of fact, I think you got some film here. Let's have a look at it. All right, let's watch it right now. And that's exactly what we do. We get footage of last week's match. I think it was last week, Mike. Mr. Wrestling 2 versus King Kong Bundy. Yeah, we get the re- we get the the replay of it all, and um, it, it takes a while. You know, two it took two a while to get to his point right there, but he finally does make it. And then they throw it to the replay of two versus Bundy from I guess it was last week. I can't remember either. Uh, which two really is laying in it to Bundy with those knee lifts, and and Olympia interferes, and two lost because of Olympia. So, uh, naturally, 
two is not happy with either one of these guys because two really did have Bundy on the run with the knee lifts. And if not for Olympia interfering, uh, we know how the outcome would have been. And it would have been that Bundy probably would have lost, but that's not what happened because of the interference. Yeah. He really was laying it in watching him back a second time. He's really firing <laughs> Bundy and it's good. It makes the match good to watch coming out of that recap. We go back to the desk. A few more words from Mr. Wrestling two. You viewed what happened last week between uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 and King Kong Bundy. Well, boy, you just saw it. That's exactly what I was talking about, what I was referring to. And I personally would like to make a challenge to Bundy and to Olympia. Bundy, first of all, you, sir, will never see the day that you will count me down for a five count. I'm telling you point blank. If you feel that you're man enough that you can do that, be my guest and give it a try. I'm telling you, you can't. And as far as Olympia is concerned... I want a challenge to this man, point blank also, at any any place, it doesn't make any difference where it is, anywhere in this United States, USA, I don't care where it may be, Olympia, you've done enough to me and you're not going to do any more. I've had it with you up to here. Bundy, both of you, get yourselves together because I'm personally issuing a challenge to both of you and I hope that you're man enough to sign the little contract and let's see what you're really made out. That's a challenge of Mr. Wrestling 2 to Mr. Olympian King Kong Bundy. We'll be back with more action after this important word. Well, coming out of that segment, we get our next match, Mike. The Super Destroyer versus Ron Ellis, Rick Ferreira as the referee. This one was one of the ones that went on for a really, really long time. Man, and again, it's because you got Super Destroyer who, I mean, although he's taking some pinfalls in Mid-South, you still look at him, at least I do, as a star. And then you got this undercard talent and Ron Ellis, you know, enhancement talent. And they just, I mean, it just went on and on and on. And, you know, Watts is talking. Watts does do some narrating there about a certain situation from a, a fan who sent in a question to him. But it wasn't it wasn't worth anything that to me. But other than that, this match just way too long, way too long. Destroyer hits the superplex. He finally wins, but they just, they, they carry on way too long. It, this, was, this was just excessive. Bill Watts goes on for about three minutes about why the figure four body lock is illegal in amateur wrestling, but the figure four headlock isn't. Right. And it goes on for a while. Usually we like Bill Watts' commentaries on various things. This one dragged just like the match dragged. It very much did. Super Destroyer wins with his superplex. Then we get our next match. Tony Torres back at Mid-South Wrestling versus Butcher Paul Vachon, Alfred Neely, the referee. Let's hear a little bit of audio here from the start of the match of Cowboy Bill Watts talking a little bit about the Vachon family. As we was talking earlier, Paul Vachon, one of the rugged wrestling Vachon brothers from Canada, along with his sister. And this is Butcher Paul Vachon, V-A-C-H-O-N, being welcomed to Mid-South Wrestling by his opponent, Tony Torres. Well, I guarantee you, when I was still active, I wrestled the Vachons. I wrestled Mad Dog Vachon and I wrestled Paul Vachon. And they never asked any quarter nor gave none. They were very rugged. Mad Dog Vachon uh, represented the United States in the 48 Olympics. He's a legend in Montreal, Canada, one of the toughest humans I've ever seen. And Paul Vachon, the last time I saw him, he weighed in the neighborhood of 300 pounds. I was in Tokyo, Japan. 
And uh, I know how tough this guy is. It's just strange to me that all of a sudden he shows up. Not too strange when you scan the rack bar. Something has to be cooking there. Something has to be ginning. Well, something has to be ginning with Skander Akbar and Butcher Vashana. We'll find out more about that next week on the show. Any thoughts on this match, Mike? I mean, the one thought I had was just Butcher Vashan. No disrespect, but he looks a little out of place. He looks like a 1970s wrestler here in Mid-South Wrestling. He looks older. He doesn't really have much of a physique, although he had always been a bigger guy. Seems a bit out of place here in Mid-South in 1983. What are your thoughts? He seems a bit out of place. He seemed a bit out of place then in... Even more so now, like it doesn't hold up the time that he just pops up in the territory at this moment. The other note that I had was watch mentions during this match as he's again, this match goes on for too long uh, <laughs> against Tony Torres. You'd figure Butcher Bouchon would have finished him off quickly, but he didn't. Watch mentions next week. JYD and Butchery will be tagging with each other. So there's that. And he also mentions Tom Jones is returning, Tito Santana returning. Other than that, we get a long match here. Vashon eventually does win. I looked at that as some type of reverse chin hold of sorts that he won with, but I don't know. What did you have? He called it the Vashon Hangman. So I guess we'll call it that as well. Sounds good. Coming out of that, we get our final match on this week's show. Rip Rogers and Tony Zane versus Johnny Rich and Tim Horner, Rick Ferreira, the referee. At one point, Horner messes up a leg scissors. Rogers is on the apron, and he's trying to bring him back in the ring, and he just completely misses his head. And then he falls down, and then Rogers goes over. Good little match, all things considered. A good match between these four. Rip Rogers, watching him in the ring, he's so good, even here early in his career. Just watching him run to the ropes. You can't take your eyes off him. I, I can't even explain it. It's like he goes to the rope, and he lifts his arm up for a second. Uh, he's... um. He's emphatic. The, the the motions are emphatic. Like um he he puts some emphasis behind everything it feels like. And and it's that extra little oomph that he's given a lot of stuff that it doesn't look fake. It it looks like because he's kind of flamboyant in his in his gimmick in Mid South. So like if you watch him the way he prances around a little bit, I know exactly what you mean, and that's the best way I can describe it. He's re- just really emphatic with things. And yes, I did see Tim Horner missing the leg scissors on Rip Rogers trying to pull him back into the ring. I thought that was funny. Hey, did you catch at the very beginning, Reeser Bowden? He he's introducing Tony Zane and Rip Rogers in the heel corner, and then you got Johnny Rich and Tim Horner in the babyface corner, and Reeser goes. And in the blue corner, two men from Tennessee, Tim Horner and Johnny Rich. <laughs> yeah, well, he had a little more excitement in his voice than you just did. Of course, yeah. But yes, two men from Tennessee, <laughs> Johnny Rich and Tim Horner. And by the way, next week's show, I think they say that it's Johnny Rich's first time on Mid-South TV. He's on this episode, and I think he was on TV, was it the summer of 82? I, I think so, yes. yes. He was here before, though, right? Yes, I thought so, too. That's what I was like, wasn't because, you know, you and I say this a lot. We we watch so many so much wrestling and so many episodes. Sometimes it can get confusing when you first see a guy and then they'll say that and you go, wait, I thought I saw him before the, you know, well before this. And I thought, too, that because Watts mentioned something like, you know, the the relative of Tommy Rich, Johnny Rich, when 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 Johnny is in town, like last year at this point, last year being 82. So I, I think you're right. I think we saw him in the summer 82 at some point. We get no finish on this match as time runs out. The bell doesn't ring, though. New Mid-South Wrestling rules. The match just continues for everyone there, but we never find out what happens. And with that, we wrap up another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. Of course, 
Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. Also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow at Mike504Saints on Twitter. I like to post various clips of these episodes that Brian and I do each and every week. Also, check out Booking the Territory. Right now, it's twice per week, but we're getting to the end of our Smoky Mountain shows. So uh, it's going to go back down to once per week with our NWA Saturday night shows uh, from, uh, well, I would say mid-80s, but it's getting to the late 80s now on TBS. Check us out. You can find us at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. We are the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason. The jokes are terrible. The language is strong. It's not politically correct, but we have a fun time nonetheless. So check us out. Uh, Or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from and subscribe. And come check us out and have fun as we talk old school classic wrestling. Brian, another fun week. I guess we'll get to next week on next week's episode. How's that sound? That sounds awkward, but we'll do just that. Enjoying some pizza in the meantime, no toppings. Of course, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nacarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Tally-ho!